Yeah, they were I mean, fantastic. They took it to Notre Dame. It took Notre Dame a last minute shot from a right. kid that averaged yeah. two points a game. Right, first basket of the game. That was that was unbelievable. For all they did right against West Virginia, they stumbled down the stretch uh, against Notre Dame. Uh, I really thought they had that game in hand. I thought they would be one of those one teams that you know nobody else was wanting to see because um, they 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 play fantastic defense and they just run. Um, I, I like to see this Austin team. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how to. Uh, I can't forget the guy's name, but how does he end up with Stephen F. Austin if he can ball like that? Like another guy from Middle Tennessee State that was shooting the threes, he's shooting like for you. Yeah, you go Wallop. Yeah, Walker. it's like Wallop. Yeah, like come on, man. How do you end up with Stephen F. Austin? I don't, I don't get that. Uh, there's a lot of players like that. How did Damian Lillard end up where he was at Weber State? How did nobody get Damian Lillard? Yeah, but I mean, Damian's a little smaller, so I, I understand that when you're talking about the prototype, but. Walkup is not a small dude. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't that chiseled coming out of high school, but he, I bet you he was bigger than Lillard. I just it, – it, it, it blows my mind. And the kid from Middle Tennessee State that shot Michigan State's eye out, you know, how did you end up in Middle Tennessee State? I, uh, I'm, I'm at a loss for that. This, there's no rhyme or reason, really. I mean, you see some of these guys, and you wonder how they didn't get looked at by some of these bigger schools. It, it's the cool story. Right. Everybody loves those underdogs. But I wonder yeah. – because obviously I haven't watched too much of them over the four years he's been there. I would I would gather that it's been a four-year huge uptick, a lot like the South Dakota mm-hmm. State players where they just bomb threes all day. And South mm-hmm. Dakota State is that um, it's especially known for that. I think they had a game where they literally shot nothing but threes. Yeah, no, I, I can believe that. Yeah, and, and, and it's part of the system. Yeah, and I agree. He probably has had a nice progression. But, I mean, he – if you didn't know that Stephen F. Austin was the 14th seed and West Virginia was the 3 seed beforehand, you wouldn't you know about that he looked like the best player. Yeah, you, he was the best player on the floor to me for that game. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm a Bobby Huggins kid, you know, from Cincinnati. So that was also worth for me to watch the movie. It was just tough. Um, and, and Yale over Baylor, I, I, with Baylor's athleticism, I really thought they would beat Yale. But, you know, shout out to Yale for, for pulling it out. And that's the best thing that Duke could have saw because I think Baylor would have beat Duke. They just wouldn't have been too athletic for him. But, we got a, I uh, wish they would have. I hate Duke. Yeah, me and you both. So we got the preppy matchup. And the last one I want to touch on, and then I'll throw it back to you, is did you see the end of that Northern Iowa-Texas A&M game? Like, I was watching that. Uh, How do you let that happen? Show. I, I've, I've never seen a team with a 12-point lead in you know, 43 it seconds. It's such a huge upset. And then you go from that yeah. epic high to just a huge yeah. low. Yeah, that's that that's that's horrible. I mean, I feel I feel really bad for those kids because you you know you just you know they felt like they had already advanced when you have a twelve point lead with under a minute left. I mean, that's that, all I can say to that is wow. I mean, wow. Did you have any other ones you want to touch on before we look ahead to this weekend? Uh, coming out of this whole depression of how bad that week really was for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it looks – Kansas put away both of their teams. So, Kansas does look like they are the best team. Um, see, the ratings are way down TV-wise. Um, oh, really? Kind of get, it can get mis- – yeah, it's down 5% from last year. Um, but it is setting all-time records for digital content. So, while people aren't exactly okay. making the time for it to watch it on TV, they'll watch it on their phones and things. I think you can kind of attribute that to there not being a dominant team this year. Like, there's no undefeated Kentucky. There's no right. Andrew Wiggins Kansas team. You know, there's there's no team that's really forcing people to to sit down and take notice of them. 
Yeah, but the only thing, the only reason why I thought Wins figure would be down is just because of that, because of the flip side is that when you have so many teams so evenly matched, and we found out about it, you know, this weekend that you're always going to get so many buzzer meters and crazy finishes that I think that's what makes that first weekend, you know, so special to watch. That's why I figured that it would it wouldn't be going down. But agree, you know, the the, the downtick uh, of being able to watch it at home versus you know people sneaking and actually watching on the computer at work, you know, because I know I'm guilty of that and on their phones. Um, you know, so it probably balances out. But that first weekend always gives you so much drama that I figured that it would probably stay about the same. But, you know, if you get a down tick in one area, and, and but it's brought back up in another area, then I guess it's a net wash. So I, I can see that. And um, The highest rated game yeah. of the entire week. Yeah. Uh, the highest rated mm-hmm. game of the, of the entire tournament was Kentucky-Indiana. And that yeah. was actually oh, the yeah, highest rated that. game of the entire season. It was really? a classic 4-5 matchup. Mm-hmm. It was your classic 4-5 matchup. Two totally contrasting styles. Uh, you, had, you have your Hoosiers, who tend to be a more uh, three- to four-year team. Then you've got your one-and-dones at Kentucky. And Kentucky was a real dark horse going into this tournament. A lot of people thought that this Kentucky mm-hmm. team, while they didn't have the great regular season, were talented enough to, to really put on a run. Uh, and we, we touched on it before they started. Their problems in the front court really did them in in that game especially. They were just – Yep. They don't have a low-post presence who can consistently score. Levisier, he, he's got a, a really soft touch for a big man, but he fouls really, and he's, he's too light. They don't really have that enforcer, that Willie Cauley-Stein, that really made people yep. think twice be- before driving the lane like that. Yeah, they, they don't have a rep protector. I think that's the term you're looking for. They don't have it. I agree. They don't have anybody in the paint to anchor that, uh, anchor that low post. Um, and you're right. There are a lot of people that really thought Kentucky could, uh, could upset and they picked Kentucky to upset UNC uh, in the round of 16. And plus, I, I'm not shocked at that one being the highest rated because, I mean, those are two old rivals in the middle of the country, two blue blood programs. So I, I'm, now that I think about it, I'm not, I'm not super surprised at that. Um, but was that – were they in the same region where I think it was like Indiana, Kentucky, and Kansas and Utah were all like both in Des Moines playing? Like how does Des Moines, Iowa get that as a double hitter? You, you know, in the middle of nowhere, you get Indiana versus Kentucky. Oh, then you get Kansas and UConn. Like, wow. I thought, I I made three years worth of business in one day. Yes, sir. That is a serious, serious, you know, kind of a who's who of college basketball over the past, you know, quarter century, if not farther back than that, between the four of them, um, if you want to include UConn. Um, and farther back than that, just Kansas, Indiana, and Kentucky. So I just thought that was an interesting tidbit that that ended up in, in out of all places in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, I agree with you. I think uh, I think Kansas. I think that you know we talked about it being such a parity, but I think the one seeds looked pretty good. I thought UNC looked good, Kansas looked good, uh, I thought Oregon looked good, and I thought UVA looked good. Um, I like Buddy Hill uh, from Oklahoma now, and that VCU game. He, he brought them back. Buddy yeah, Hill stand absolutely. up. Yes, sir. Because uh, Buddy, uh, dude from VCU, was talking smack to him. Tells him you're supposed to be Buddy Hill. You're supposed to be taking over. He said, "Oh yeah," and then he probably took over. So. Hush your mouth, dude. <laughs> Don't let the sleeping dog lie. <laughs> Buddy Heald right now is kind of – Buddy Heald is almost – he can kind of be the savior of this tournament. He's kind of – if there's one guy you're going to turn into – to tune in to watch, it's really got to be Buddy Heald. I mean, he, he, he is that player that can just all of a sudden turn it on and put on a show. Uh, and it, there's mm-hmm. really no – there's no super player left outside of Heald. I mean, what, maybe – I mean, really, Perry Ellis isn't going to do anything for you. Wayne Seldon ain't going to do anything for you. Uh, Marcus you know Page, Marcus Page definitely ain't who he was. 
Brandon Ingram yep. from Duke, maybe, but he, even he's shaky. You know there's, who it is. Not you that, know there's not watch. that player. I guess they're going to talk Brandon Ingram, but. It's, it's Grayson Allen. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, it's him. I don't think only, only to because of his reputation. But it's, still it's, don't it's his reputation. Go ahead. Maybe, but he, he's not that kind of game definer, I guess, in that same mold of you knew people were going to tune in just to watch Andrew Wiggins throw him down, or you knew people were going to yeah. tune in just to see Carl Anthony Towns or Jaleel Okafor. There's nobody that's really like that this year, and Buddy Heald is kind of the close one to it. And Buddy Heald, yep. he may not even be a top 15 pick. There's, then the NBA evaluators to, to, to reevaluate. It's got to be said for, for being just a flat-out scorer in the league. Look at Jamal Crawford. You can just bring him off the bench. He's like the microwave. It's instant offense. Problem is the size. But if you put him off the, bring him off the bench and you don't match him up against the starter, you know, the other team's best two-man, then I, I agree with work. you. Uh, yeah, I, I still think he can do work. I, I don't – especially in a draft that's devoid of a short thing. To me, he's about the shortest thing in terms of being able to get his own shot that there is in the league. There might be more upside for other people. We know the NBA loves upside. But if Ben Simmons has right that, now, he can just – if Ben Simmons could just add an okay jump shot, I think you'd see him – really live up to that LeBron James type potential. Yeah, but he has to show me he's smarter than that because I don't care, dude. I don't care if you know you're going number one. If you can't maintain the C average so you can make, so you can win the Wooden Award, I question your whole motive in life. I, I, that's just me. We talk about a C average, taking golf and, you know, remedial studies. Like, come, come on, buddy. you you, you got to be able to keep a C average. We're talking about a 70. You can't get a 70 as a, as a freshman. And we're talking about not even the whole year, just the fall semester. You couldn't keep a 70. That's just not showing up to class. I'll guarantee you he just wasn't showing up to class. And that to me still is is worse. I'd rather you feel like that. Tell me you're dyslexic and you can't rewrite and you need help. Then say, you know what, I'm just not going to go to class because I'm leaving anyway. It just makes me reevaluate how you handle your priorities in life. Um, Because you're not going to be able to play basketball. So let's get some of that. Before we move on, there was a you just brought up the whole dyslexic point, and while that is a that is a big thing, and a lot of people face that, you know, it, it kind of kind of gets me a little bit that you're really going to sell these players as student athletes when half of them can't even read. I mean, institutions talk yeah. about oh, well, we're an athletic, or you have to pass your SATs. I mean, if these dudes can't, if these dudes are really that dyslexic. I can tell you something. There ain't no way they're the ones taking their SATs. Right. Exactly. And the thing about it with this one and done rule, especially for basketball, I mean, he, you know, he's proven it. He knows he's, he's only got to really care about one semester. If you think that Ben Simmons has gone to any class in the spring semester, you're kidding yourself. He knew he was coming out after this year. He did the bare minimum just that he kicked out so he could play on the tournament, in the tournament. But they didn't get a chance to go. I mean, he hasn't even gone to class. So he basically went to school for a semester and didn't even maintain a C average. So I'm totally with you. They they need some people in their corner to tell them, hey, three hey, classes, three classes, yeah. That's and you can't get a C average. Come on, man. Come on. Come on, man. Um, little NFL there. Come on, man. Yeah, they. Uh, that drives me crazy. You gotta get your priorities together. Um. So yeah, we spent a good number of time on that. Uh. I want to, listeners, we are not going to go to the NFL right now because I know the NFL normally trumps everything, but we're actually going to get into some baseball since the blog talk lady would not allow us to connect and get our full 45 minutes in last week. So we're going to talk a little baseball here. Um, 
as you all may or may not know, uh, the Rays played in Cuba the other day, and they actually won. I believe it was four to one. Um, yes, think sir. It's a big deal. Think it's a big deal that they played in uh, Cuba the other day. Not a huge deal. It, it was cool to see. It hasn't happened since '99. Uh, all politics mm-hmm. aside. I always enjoy when you can have an exhibition match between the major league team and one of these all country teams. I'd like to see them mm-hmm. do one against the all Japan team, one against the all Dominican team. I'd like them to continue doing that once a year. Um, it, it kind of bugs me that baseball got sucked into the political game. Cause it, it was all just for political reasons. Um, yeah. But as a pure baseball fan, I, I do like being able to see that. And it kind of shows you, just how far ahead Major League Baseball is from the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. That was the Cuban national no, team. Yeah. Like that, that's their that's their yeah, best of the best, yeah. You're right. And the ones that haven't defected yet. <laughs> but, yeah, but, yeah. you know, they play serious ball down there, ball down there in Cuba. Um, and I agree, but, you know, that sometimes you, sports are an instrument to institute societal and political change. And I, and I don't know it if just this will me. do it. But I mean, but, but it's kind of like sometimes you know, you know, Jesse Owens at the Olympics, you know, doing the German mm-hmm. in front of Hitler. Sometimes you have those moments where it helps define our spark a change. So I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I think you know we will only know in time that it's kind of an Oliver Branch to kind of solve this. You know, we're a democracy, you're you know, communist piece. We're so close together, um, and such a huge Cuban population in America as it is already, especially in Florida, you know, and, and New York. So I think it's. Um, it's well worth to do it, but I mean, but I think sometimes you have to use it as olive branch. So hopefully, you know, it, it'll get there. So I think it's a medium deal only because we're not guaranteed of it leading anywhere. Is it going to be? Is it going to happen annually now? Is it going to you know help all change the mindsets? I don't know. And given all the victuals I read about it, it didn't look like it was changing any mindsets. People were pretty pissed off that we were playing over there in Cuba. Yeah, but you couldn't so, bring the, the national team over here because. Look here, man. If you're going to get in a boat with 10 other people and, and go through the Florida Keys and the Straits to try to get here, look, yes, sir. They, they would have been somewhere posted up in the hotel like I am not going back. So totally agree with that. Uh, I'm going to skip over the predictions here for a quick second um, because we're already about a week behind and, of it, and I wanted to get to it. Um, and we talked about it a little bit in, in person, and that's the, uh, the Adam LaRoche uh, piece. So I've read conflicting things where they, they promised him in the contract negotiations that he could have the kid, uh, his son there. Uh, but Chris Sale throwing it high and tight <laughs> to Ken Williams in yes, an interview sir. in front of his uh, – In front of his uh, – his, uh, In the dugout. And in front of the entire team. In the team. dugout. Yeah, with, with the LaRoche jerseys. The kids LaRoche jerseys hanging up behind him. I mean, I, just outside of – I think we know the points of it. Do you think Chicago can recover from this and will – Will Ken Williams keep his job? Because I don't know. To tell you the truth, I don't think they can. Just because the locker room seems to be kind of split on it a little bit. Uh, and Chris Sale and Adam Eaton, two of the two of the leaders on that club, are absolutely furious. It's going to be one or the yeah. other. They're either going to have to trade Chris Sale or they're going to have to fire Kenny Williams. And Ken Williams has deserved to be fired anyway. And he's Really, he wasn't good enough to be a GM, so they moved him to VP of operations. And he's really not much good in that capacity. And the the whole incident was just bizarre. Um, and yeah. there's been there's been some huge backlash from both sides coming on just from this whole thing. My point being was if this was 
a Albert Pujols or a Bryce Harper or a Mike Trout, nobody would have said anything. I mean, Barry Bonds, when he was in San Fran, had two lockers and a recliner, and no yeah. one was allowed to sit in it but him. didn't matter if he was at the stadium. didn't matter if he was in the hospital. No one <laughs> was allowed to sit in it. And, I mean, you, you know, it's one of those things where if LaRoche was a better player at this point, nobody would right. have said a thing. But because he made $12 million and didn't play well, Ken Williams, I honestly think it was just a way for Williams to find a way to make LaRoche retire and not have to pay him the money. That that could be true. Um, it, I would like some more information, and I don't know if we actually get it because when we talked about it, when you have that there's been like four different stories, right? I, I I believe that it might be, it could be what you said, or it could be somebody that went and complained and was like, you know, I can't, you know, we can't cuss and, and do what we normally do and tie the conversations that we would normally have because he's in here all the time. Why I love him because he has to be here all the time. And they told him that, and then he heard the backlash that came once Ken Williams went. And addressed the Roche on it, and he retired. And I think that teammate said, oh, snap. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to come forward <laughs> and say that I said this because, damn, I didn't think it was going to result in this. You know what I mean? So I can see it being what you say, but I could also be in somebody that went through a back channel and didn't fully understand the blowback that was going to happen. Like, did he retire? Wait, I didn't think he was going to retire over this. And then, you well, know, that's like a said, stupid thing to come forward to, by the way. I've, I've heard that one nonstop from the station of, oh, well, you know, they can't act, they can't say whatever they want in the clubhouse with a kid around. I'm like, oh, no, you have to act like a grown man? Oh, no. I mean, <laughs> that's, is it really – are we really going to complain that grown men can't walk and talk like a 16-year-old who just learned a new word? I mean, is is that what we're coming to? I mean, is yeah, it yeah, so bad when you much. have to act professional? <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much. And, I mean, the thing I'll go back to is that I've read a lot of things where they said they promised him that. Because I was in the camp, too, of, you know, there really isn't somewhere where you can bring your kid to work every day. And I understand that baseball is not a, a regular office, but if he was there 93% of the time, to me that's too much. But if they made him promises before he got there that he could be there because they knew he was homeschooled, that he could be there as much as, you know, he wanted him to be, and that was the way they got the roster signed there, then you can't come behind that and say, oh, he's here too exactly. much. Um, it's put so, it in the contract, know, we, even if you just said, and even if it's not right. in the contract, if you gave him your word, I'm so sick of this, right. well, it wasn't in the contract. I mean, you're at that point where if you're if it's two grown men, I mean, you remember that old saying of your word is your bond. Our right. man's only as good as his word. I mean, that, that's been lost on today's generation, and it's it's really just sad to see. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um we got about six and a half minutes here left in the in the live portion of it. Um, I want to hit on Bryce Harper, and then we'll get to predictions. We don't have to, you know, have a long, drawn-out conversation about predictions. I just want a long record so we can go back and listen to it and see how close we were. So, now we've had Goose Gossage come, and now my man, Johnny Bench, number five, is uh, saying, yeah, you can do your bat flip and run around with Bryce if you want to, but the next time you come up to bat, expect it high and tight. Um, so I, it's really it's really just got to be generational at this point. I can see both sides. There's a, always been this set of rules of what you do and don't do uh, in baseball. But I also see that baseball is losing a lot of the younger viewership to the NFL, the NBA, and uh, college football as well. 
that, you know, they're, they're, they're lagging far behind and they're trying to get some more excitement to it. And you've got these younger kids who've grown up in this, you know, able to demonstrate your emotions kind of environment, but then they go to play baseball and if they're really good at it, they still can't do it. So I think you're going to have this continuous tug of war until, to honestly, truth be told, I'm not wishing this, until some of those older guys just pass away and you just have more of the younger set in the game. And I think you'll see some of those rules of the game start to loosen up a little bit. They'll never go away because baseball is huge on tradition. But I think you'll start to see it loosen up a little bit, and it won't be so frowned upon. But as long as you have those old-timers that come from that day and age of you do A, B, and C, and you don't do X, Y, and Z, then you're going to always have this debate. Well, me, I'm, I'm about to sound like a curmudgeon here. Uh, <laughs> we, we know I'm a, I'm a big student of the game. I played the game for about 20 years. Um, I'll take the old guy approach here. And to anybody that knows me, it's really not that surprising because while I may be 25, I'm really like 55. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. There's things you don't do. You don't show out. It's it's the perfect team game for a reason. Uh, there, there's a reason why these traditions are around, and there's there's a reason why some of these players are getting this upset about it. And I'm not one for this whole, whole, oh, he just wants to express himself. All right, well, then I'm okay with the pitcher expressing himself and hitting you in the face. I mean, that's where it's going wrong for me. That's where it's going wrong for me. The pitchers are the ones who are failing out. Because anytime somebody does that, and Jose Bautista, I understand, it's a big home run. If I'm that pitcher, if I'm anyone on that team, I've told you exactly how that handles. You throw three intentional pitches. Then you drill them in the ribs. I mean, that's that's just the way it is. If you want to show out and act like that, here's the consequences. It that whole saying, "Act like you've been there before." It's usually used for football, but really, it's most applicable in baseball. Act like you've been there before, and it's it's a game that's built on respect. So, be respectful, not just for the other team, but for yourself and for the game. I mean, it's it's not that hard. It's not going to kill you to not showboat. I mean, that that's one of these new age things that I really can't stand. I mean, it, it's not going to kill you to act like a grown man or to act like a professional. And people are whining about LaRoche bringing his kid not being professional. Well, I think it's worse and even less professional to sit there and stare at a home run as soon as you hit it. Guys like Carlos Gomez, that dude would get hit in the yeah. face every at-bat if I was on the mound. Or Goose Johnson was on the mound. <laughs> Yeah, and and that is Dylan Short, twenty five going on sixty five, and I and I and I and I come down in the middle. <laughs> I come down in the middle because I I agree that there's like like I talked about, you know, if you're in the top of the sixth inning and, and it's you know seven to one and it's game thirty eight of the season, you don't have you're not Carlos Gomez, you don't have to stare down the home run that's going to make it seven to two or nine to one or whatever it is, you know. But in terms of Batista, when in that spot right there, I can see where the emotions may just overtake him at, at that point, and he flipped it and lost it. But in that point, he yes, flipped you know, it. He tossed that. He okay, threw that. That was not a flip. That was not a flip. That was a bat throw. <laughs> I'll give you that. But I'm just saying there are moments that I that it doesn't bother me as much. Like I related to the NFL game. Yeah, when you lose a 37-3 to and you get a sack deep in the fourth quarter and you're still, you know, and it doesn't change anything, you know, don't do the nay nay, okay? You know, that to me, yeah, please <laughs> just do his back or, or top block him the next time out. But if you make a sack 
you know, to make a team punt in a 10-10 game in a playoff game to get your team the ball back. If you name nay I'm not going to really be upset with you because I can understand being crunk in that instance. So I think there's a time and a place for everything, but agree. Maybe you know, it's because I'm a baseball player. Maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a former baseball player, but I expect more out of baseball players than I do football players. That's just the honest truth. Football players, I expect <laughs> to be a big, dumb meathead, honestly, and I'm just going to be 100% honest. Basketball the same way. I, I know you're not playing basketball because you were smart. I know you're playing it because you could jump and you could dunk and because you're far too tall for a normal human being. But baseball is <laughs> different. Baseball is outside of golf, which no one under the age of 35 is going to watch golf. Baseball is more of a gentleman's sport. It's more of a professional sport. You cut your hair, you keep your hair, unless you're Andrew McCutcheon. But that was yeah. something that he actually went to. Did you, did you know this about McCutcheon? He actually went to the front office, his coach, and his teammates to make sure that mm-hmm. they were okay with him having his dreads. He didn't just say, yep. oh, no, screw y'all. I'm going to look how I want. He went and made sure that it was okay with his team and with everybody. But that's that's part of my thing. Like that's, that's a respect thing. And I don't care how your hair looks, but there's a reason why most people in baseball have their hair short. It's just a uniform look. It shows conformity. It shows uniformity. It shows camaraderie. There's a reason why you're playing 162 games. You're spending six months to eight months with these dudes. Act right. Just grow up. Just grow up. <laughs> and that is your pers- your public service announcement brought to you by Dylan Short. Or I will punch right. you in the face. I grow up. I grow up. All right. I can't, perfect way to end that segment. Can't do any better than that. Um, Let's go on a little prediction time. Uh, I'm not going to totally go with the division pennant winners. We are running a long time, and I want to get to the uh, to your piece about the Georgia transfer. Uh, so let's just go with the World Series matchup. Uh, mine hasn't really changed since the other day we talked, but, you know, to our listeners who haven't uh, had a chance to listen to that piece of our audio yet, uh, give me who you think is coming in the World Series this year. I'm going back and forth a little bit. I'm, I'm still going to stick with the Royals, I think. But the mm-hmm. Angels, man, the Angels and the Astros are really, really creeping up there. My only problem with the Astros is their depth behind Keuchel and uh, Lance yep. McCullers. I, I need to see some of their other players step up. I need to see Mark Apple break in and be what they thought he was going to be when they made him the number one overall pick. Uh, yep. Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, um, they've got a few first basemen. If John Singleton could hold off, um, I believe it's A.J. Price, who looks like he's just a young stud. I mean, they, uh-huh. they've got they've got the bats. Uh, Marwin Gonzalez coming off the bench. Uh, they they are just an extremely extremely deep team as far as offense goes. They're going to be one of these teams that's a uh, eight to six win because they they their back end of their bullpen is just awful. The Royals are going to do it the same way they do it every year since they've been under Ned Yost, and that's going to be pitching, defense, and timely hitting. Um, yep. If Mustakis can kind of can kind of emulate what he did last year. I think that's how it goes. So the the AL is a little bit harder for me. And, of course, the Angels, when you have Mike Trout, you can basically do anything. And now you add Angels and Simmons. It's, and, uh, and it helps the AL is a little bit easier. Pujols, I mean, Pujols is a little bit older, but to be a fifth bat in your lineup, you can't ask for much better in the game. <laughs> right. The NL, the NL is a little bit easier. Uh, I think in the NL, I think you always watch out for the Giants. I think the Dodgers are going to be a heavy favorite just, you know, because they've decided to become the Yankees of the National League and just buy everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Mets have a decent shot because once everybody's back healthy, they're going to have more aces than they have rotations. 
They're going to have more aces yep. than they have spots in the rotation, and that's just stupid when you have six number ones. They got Cespedes back, which was absolutely huge. Um, Juan Lagares is out there. Michael Conforto looks like he's going to be a, a big ball player. But if I had to if I had to nail down on one, I think I'm leaning towards the Cubs. I think they've got I think they've got the right mixture of youth and veteran pitching, as well as mm-hmm. a great mix of speed to power to on base percentage. And when you add Jason Hayward out there in those Wrigley yeah. confines for half his game, that's a scary thought. No, uh, yeah, I totally, totally agree. And, and my predictions mirror that. Um, for everything you just said, I, I told you before, I, I mean on the Astros, and I agree that the rotation has to stabilize behind it, but I just love those young kids. And I feel like they're going to take the next step moving forward. Um, you know, Houston took a lot of flights for those three straight 100-loss seasons, but, you know, now that those, you know, draft picks are starting Things to bear fruit. Things have worked out. Uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of worked out for them. Uh, I, I, I would agree with that uh, totally. I'm going to go with the Astros coming coming out of the uh, out of the American League. And in the National League, I, I'm with you. Um, I, I like that Cubs team, even though, you know, I, I, I should you're not do what I do. You're a Cubs fan. You ain't taking no Cubs team. No, I'm, the only reason I'm not going to pick them is because while they do have a, a great mix, like you said, of youth and veterans, and I, lo- I love that lineup for them, you roll into the into New York and you mess around and get Harvey, DeGrom, and Syndergaard, you might not score three runs in three days, like total. Like, they, they just are that dominant, and especially if you go and play in New York in that big cavern where, you know, you can sprinkle some, some singles and doubles yeah. with strand runners. You can you can destroy that you know you, I think that's a greater equalizer depending on where they end up with their record now with the Mets what they what they have in pitching they don't have in the Mirror the Cubs in batting that's my exactly that's my biggest problem can, yeah can can you keep David Wright healthy can Tesla to stop being an idiot for long enough to keep hitting and <laughs> that, and that Walker signing that's true and can, and can Walker come Neil in Walker and was a very them. underrated signing Neil Walker he was. was a fantastic player who just got who was just victimized by being in Pittsburgh. And I don't know, he just couldn't stay healthy there. And then last year, Pittsburgh was trying out some younger guys. But Neil Walker, I'm glad you mentioned him. He is a big name to watch this season. Great on-base percentage. Can hit anywhere from first to seventh in your order. And it wasn't too long ago that he popped out 22 home runs. I mean, he's got some pop to his bat, too. Absolutely. And the other team I watched, and you said it, it's the Giants. Because if they get Kane to come back to close to anything he was, behind, you know, Bumgarner and Cueto. I mean, that's nasty. I just don't think it's as nasty as the Mets rotation. They can really put Cologne in short relief and start the Grom, Harvey, Syndergaard, Wheeler, and Matt. And, and that's just a nasty quintuple uh, uh, right there. So I'm, I'm going to go with the Mets and the Astros, and I'm just going to go with the Mets because of the pitching. Because I think a lot of times when you get into the postseason, especially when it gets cold, you know, strong pitching to me generally beats – Strong kidding, but I mean, I know the Did world, you not learn anything? You know, Bridge. Did you learn I, nothing it, it, from yeah. us? Yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm always going to go with the pitcher. That's just me. If you give me that, that kind of staff where I don't even have to start my best, you know, my my number one pitcher on three days rest because I just have an awesome staff. I mean, and so would you number five is number one? And your long right. relief guys are number three. I mean, <laughs> it's an embarrassment exactly. of riches. And they could trade any of they, those guys and get a huge haul back and get the hitters they need. I mean, as much as I hate to brag yep. on the Mets, their team, they are built for success for a long time. Absolutely. Um, jumping two, and I don't know 
what to do with this one. I, I'm going to keep rookie y'all because I, 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 I don't want like to talk about that this week. Um, how about Cy Young? Who you got in the American League and the National League? I'm going to go Sonny Gray. As long as he stays healthy, okay. it should be Sonny Gray. Even if the A's don't win, you've seen with Felix Hernandez that you don't have to be on a great team to win the Cy Young. The AL is chock full of outstanding pitchers. Uh, I think Keichel's going to challenge it as well. I just think Sonny Gray is – for me, a top three pitcher in the game. And not many people see him because he's out in Oakland. But if you if you don't watch him, you're doing a disservice because this kid is just outstanding. Uh, when he was playing at mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, I looked at him and, and liked him more than I liked David Price. He knows, his, he knows his spots. Every pitch he throws, he can control. Every pitch he throws is a plus pitch. And you don't see that anymore, especially with young kids. I mean, he came out mm-hmm. of college with plus breaking balls already. Usually the breaking ball is the last thing to develop, especially for these young guys because everybody's throwing 95 now. So they, they focus on throwing hard. Sonny Gray actually knows how to pitch. He's not a thrower. He's a pitcher. So as long as he stays healthy, I think Sonny Gray wins it. National League, I'm going to go Clayton Kershaw. I can't pick against Clayton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. So I don't feel bad for that because I was looking at it. I feel like there's so many names that I know in the National League that could, that could win it. But I think Ricky takes a all step back because he's going to give up more runs. All, all of them. Um, I don't think Arietta repeats that year he had in Chicago. I, so. I, 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 I think that was a I need to see him do it longer. Right. But you got Bumgarner pitching that big old cavern in San Francisco, and he's just a stud. Um, I think Ricky takes a look at step back because – Bumgarner's more of a postseason guy. So I don't mean to yeah, interrupt you. Yeah, I think you, at but, some point – Yeah. Bumgarner, but, Bumgarner's stats – in the regular season, they're they're decent. He's right around a three four nine, three five ERA. Once he hits the playoffs, a, a switch just turns on. I, he he is basically he is John Smoltz. Yeah, um, agree. Um, uh, in the American League, uh, yeah, I like the Sunny Gray pick. I'm, I'm probably gonna agree with that. I I like King Phillips. I just wish he had a better team. I really do. I think he's being so wasted in Seattle. If if he played on a contending team. I think people will appreciate him so much more than they do. I mean, okay. I think they know somewhat about him, but I think if he if you got to see him, he's way out in the north. Be a five game winner with one of these teams. He'd be a twenty five game winner with a team like, and really any of these contending teams. You put him on the Angels, you put him on the Astros, you put him on, really just about anybody, but where he's at, and he's a twenty five game winner. Agree, agree. So there we go. We agree on that one. How about MVP? Mike Trout. That's a good pick. What about the National League? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate yeah, to say tough. it, but I'm to say Bryce Harper. Uh, I really, <laughs> really hate to say it because I, I love watching him play the game. Kid is mm-hmm. as talented as anybody I've ever seen lace him up. But he's just such a douche. And I, I just – yeah. Uh, for him saying that he's yeah. going to start the bidding at $400 million, I just want to slap him in the face. But the thing about it is, is that it, it wasn't like it is a incorrect statement because if he takes anything left, if he doesn't start it at that, people are going to be like, wow, he, he really undersold himself because everybody else is I don't care. I'd rather you undersell yourself <laughs> than come across as a giant douche. I'm going to start the bidding at $400 million. I want to be paid more than your entire team put together. <laughs> I want you to pay me half a billion dollars, and that's with a yeah, B, that, that, folks. Yeah, that's that that is that's outlandish. Um, 
I would agree. I just I just can't go with Mike Trout. That dude, you know, I read that story on Buster Olney's, uh on his website where he said that when people play the Angels, when he runs, you can hear him coming. You can feel it coming around the base. He does he's every just trucking like that. Yeah, I said, whoa. You know, these are other major league players saying about him. This is not a fan's of, you know, there goes Mike Trout. These are other professional guys saying, like, you can just do this like a locomotive coming around the base. You can feel you can feel it. You can hear it. It's like, so I can't go against Mike Trout. And I agree with Mike Trout. I think those, I did. I, go ahead. I have to tell you, though, I did send a tweet. I sent a, a DM to Bryce Harper asking him if he's going to break out the 17 and wear the Apache again. I haven't heard back from him. <laughs> what did you send it to him? Uh, about two days ago. Yeah, you know, he's probably ain't no telling. Uh, we're just watching it in Florida. He's probably somewhere at the club, you know. No, he ain't going to send nothing back. He, he might so never know. It depends. I was, I was trolling him to see if I could get something back. I'll be honest. <laughs> I really just don't like yeah, his personality. Right, but that might be the reason why he sent something back to you, because nowadays these guys are, are coming, back, coming back with a vengeance. I hope um, he does. Bring it on, Bryce. I, yeah, I have a hard time going against Bryce, but I think Goldschmidt might have a shot. I like, I, you know, he reminds me a lot he wasn't of Arizona. Really play. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, he's he's been moving up. You know, I'm looking at his war. He's second behind War from last year. Bryce was nine point nine. He was eight point eight. Um, so, he's one of my you know, favorite players in the game. Yeah, I, and it's, I it's, a, it's one of the things that I've talked with you. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of where Atlanta fans kind of overrate Freddie Freeman. When Freddie's not in the top three in the NL, much less the majors, and we don't yeah, have enough the, time the, the, the to really break into that this week. But next week, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit more next week, where I'm not certain that Freddie's even a top, a top seven first baseman in the majors. So I think he's being oversold a little bit. And I love Freddie Freeman, but Atlanta fans are kidding yourselves yeah. thinking that he's a star player. He's he's your chipper. That's just not the case. All right, man. I, um, this is fun as always. We got about two or th- about three minutes left before you cut us off. Uh, I'm gonna let you take us out of here talking Georgia transfer or anything that that, that made you mad down there at Six Eight the Fan this week. Just this whole Georgia transfer debacle, and it's being handled just wild extremes on both sides. Um, if you haven't heard about it, um, backup running back AJ Terman, who's about fourth on the depth chart when Chubb is healthy, uh, he could be fifth behind Elijah Holyfield, came up to Kirby Smart and he wanted to transfer. Originally, Kirby told him, no, you can't transfer anywhere. Then he said, okay, but you can't transfer to Miami or to Florida. And then he said, now you can't transfer to any SEC school or Miami or Florida State. And it's it's gotten a lot of flack in the national media because – Mark Rick had the open policy of if you don't want to be here, you're not getting paid to play. Life is short. Go where you want to go and be happy. Kirby's saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you come back and play against me. And I, I understand that. I understand on both sides of the argument. But you've got some people who were just killing the national pundits saying that Kirby shouldn't let them transfer that they committed to Georgia and not to a coach. Oh, God. Um, but my biggest problem with that is Kirby left. Kirby left Alabama to come coach George, and I understand coaches and players are different. But if this is going to be your stance that you're going to, that you do not want people to transfer, that you think that their commitment should matter to them, I don't want to see you take a commitment from Alabama. I don't want to see you take a transfer from anybody else. Then, 
If you're gonna if mm-hmm. you're gonna do it, do it right. And we all know it's not gonna happen. I mean, if an Alabama player says, "Hey, I want to go over to Alabama or to Georgia to play with Kirby," we all know Kirby's gonna jump at that chance. It's just kind of the yep. hypocrisy of college football. And I think that's Georgia fans. It's okay to say that Kirby didn't do something as well as Mark Richt. It's not going to end the world. You don't have to say that he's perfect at everything. <laughs> he did handle this badly. I mean, we're stuck in this mode of, no, my, no, he's better at everything. No, he's not. But that's okay. You're not hiring him to be the best person. You're not asking him to be a better person than Mark Rick. You're just asking him to win more games. So, yes, you can admit, hey, Kirby screwed this part up, and it's okay. The world's not going to end. I promise you. I promise. <laughs> Sit down, um, relax, and get ready for the season. There it is. I, I, I have nothing more to add to that, bro. It's always great talking to you, talking to sports with you. I'm sure we'll be in contact as this crazy tournament rolls on. Talk to you next week, good people. Walker needs to give week. us an entire day, full 24 hours. Yeah.